Imagine a church where every member is passionately, wholeheartedly, and recklessly calling the shots. I don't know who sets the worship center temperature, but why does it have to be so cold? Why do you have to be so right? Heated chairs are now being installed. This one wants a small church, but I'm afraid if it's too small, they're gonna make me volunteer like crazy. And I don't stack chairs, do I? Makes total sense. Join now and we'll let you decide the size of our church. We're millennials and we want a church that- Say no more. Any requests you have will be granted immediately. Parking is horrible. It takes me almost six minutes to get from my car to the building. Oh. It's gonna take me six seconds to tell you a valet service is on the way. My pastor's preaching, it's all over the map. I say, oh, I don't know, stick with the books of the Bible. We should be only exegetical. Okay, next week we start John chapter one, verse one. And we'll even start pronouncing that word the way you said it. Hey, I'd like this sermon to be no longer than 30 minutes. How does 15 minutes sound? Hey, anybody willing to go to 15 should be willing to go to 10. <laughs> you drive a hard bargain. But from now on, five minute sermons it is. <laughs> now you're talking. Me Church, where it's all about you. <laughs> Some of you know what I'm talking about. That's when church begins. Great to uh, see you today. Uh, we're going get, to get some, get our teeth into the word of the Lord. Just want to say hello to everyone online. And uh, God's going to speak in this place. I hope he speaks. Uh, he's already speaking through our time together, through some of the lyrics of the songs we've been singing. Uh, I'm going to pray in a moment that perhaps he'll speak through some of the words that I'll say. But guess what? Uh, my prayer today is that God is going to speak through you to somebody. Hello? That's my prayer, is that God's going to speak through you to someone else uh, before we finish our time together. Let's just acknowledge the presence of the Lord here among us. Let's pray together. Let's invite him. We've already prayed and said, but let's reassert. And at home, in the room where you are, when you're watching this, maybe even on catch-up, my prayer is that you'll be aware of God's presence where you are as well. Let's welcome the Lord and tune into his voice. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. We're so glad that we get to meet together with you, Lord. And we want to ask, Lord, that you would be really close to each and every one of us. Lord, we pray that we might hear your voice to us personally, but also that we'd hear your voice to us corporately as a church family, Lord. We open our ears and we open our hearts and our minds to you and say, God, uh, we've, we set aside this time in our week to gather together around your word. So please, Lord, would you speak to us? And may your voice bring life and light and transformation in Jesus' name. And we all say together, amen. amen. Never underestimate the power of your amen or your amen, depending upon your accent. <laughs> now, I'm not sure... Uh, I'm not sure if you often give much thought to this, because maybe automatically uh, it's Sunday morning and here you are. It's like your car automatically drove itself here, because this is what you do every kind of Sunday morning. But I want to pause for a moment uh, just to think, what, what is this? What, what are we doing? 
Uh, it's not, not a bad thing to ask a question of every now and then when you find yourself doing something. Uh, I'm privileged to be a season ticket holder at Watford Football Club. And after the 11th successive home defeat, uh, I asked myself, what am I doing here? Uh, and I went home to a long-suffering patient wife who says, uh, what were you doing there? What are we doing there? It's a good question. Investing in Watford Football Club. Oh, Lord. Lord, help us. But it's a good question to ask, what are we doing here when we gather together on a Sunday morning? Maybe there's loads of things in the mix. And if you watch online, some of these things still apply. Uh, Maybe we're thinking about, uh, we gather a bit, we sing a bit, don't we? Maybe we're going to learn. We're going to do that lovely word, fellowship or fellowshipping. Uh, I'm not sure if that's a word, but it just has become one. And this goes out on the internet. So if you say it on the internet, it becomes a word, right? Just anything. Is that right? Um, so there's loads of uh, different competing reasons why we come. Uh, and sometimes it might be, well, actually, I've come here today. I want to ask a question. Why are you here? Maybe you're here because you, you leak and you need more of God. Uh, you, you, you feel drained by the week, and actually when you come together, you get filled up. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? There's, there's something in that, and I need, I need something from God. I need something from Him. Maybe you just like custard creams, and on a good day, at the end when we have tea and coffee, you might just get some custard creams. That's, that's a reason to come to church, maybe. Um, it may be that you need an emotional lift, or it, it may be that you hope that when we gather they'll do your favorite song, right? I've been waiting for Shine Jesus Shine for months and months and months, and still no one chooses it. So disappointing. Uh, maybe you come because you want to learn. Maybe you come because you're hungry for wisdom. Uh, maybe you come actually because this is a punctuation point in your week when everything else seems to be kind of uh, just draining and we this is a point of strength where you get filled up there's loads of reasons why you might come and gather and why you might be here today it might be that last week you sat where you are right now and maybe if you're looking for a life partner the person next to you was really good looking and available and you thought if I go to church then maybe they'll be there again and they might be loving the air maybe, maybe I, that's that's a reason that's the reason. I don't blame you. I would. So um, I think it's a, there's loads of things going on that cause us to be here. But I want us to take stock and think biblically. And uh, as we come to, uh, to read 1 Corinthians chapter 14, which is where we're at in our kind of stu- studies of 1 Corinthians, I want us to ask, is there something that we've been missing in terms of our attitude to what happens when we gather together? And allow the Bible to to form us. You know, the Bible reads us. uh, We don't just read it. Can I hear an amen to that? And allow the scriptures to read us in our motives. And actually for us to have our eyes open to another dynamic um, altogether. Now, as part of the Essential Matters series, um, let's just go through these symbols that we've been kind of looking at that kind of sum up these three essentials that we have as a church. First one on the left is the flame. Does anyone know what... Uh, that is 
Spirit-filled living. That's right. We, we, are, we are saying as a church family, we value and we work towards, we want to live spirit-filled lives. The second one with the heart is which? Is what? Whole, yes, but in, in terms of our essentials, it's wholehearted worship. Wholehearted worship where we're at 24-7. We're giving our whole lives to God. And the one on the right is authentic relationships. And you'll see in the passage we're going to read in a moment that all three of these things come together uh, that we can actually learn uh, to, to see in our experience of our gathering. All three of those things come into play. And particularly we might be thinking about um, our authentic relationships. What does it mean for us to come together from different nations, different backgrounds, and gather together? Maybe there's something that we've been missing in terms of the dynamic of us coming together. Now, it's important to acknowledge that when we come to read a letter like 1 Corinthians, it's a letter that was written by the Apostle Paul uh, over 2,000 years ago to a particular group of people. In fact, the church in Corinth. And, uh, and there are many things that are different about the church experience and the context then in the first century compared to now. And so then when we're reading the scriptures, we need to be careful to do a little bit of work and understand that it wasn't written to people in Watford in 2022, even if there are truths about God's heart and wisdom that may uh, speak into our lives. And to, uh, to help us, I'm going to refer to a brilliant book by a guy called Nick Page. I don't know if you've read any of his books. Brilliant. It's called Kingdom of Fools, The Unlikely Rise of the Early Church. And he's a brilliant historian. Uh, he writes really, really well. And he wrote a lot about what the early church was really like, because they didn't have uh, structures like this. They didn't have live streaming technology. And, uh, and so for them, the experience was more like a house church. Let me just quote him. And he says, the early church, whether in Rome, Jerusalem or Corinth, met in domestic settings. There were no church buildings as such. The earliest dedicated church building discovered comes from the Roman border town of Jura Europas and dates to the late third century. For the bulk of the first three centuries of its life, the Christian church was a house church. Now, when it comes to the church in Corinth, uh, we, we know the names of the people who planted the church there with Paul, and that is Priscilla and Aquila. And uh, Priscilla and her husband, Aquila, had planned this church. This is what it says here. But the first church, the first gathering, must have been in the workshop of Priscilla and Aquila, missionary church planters in Corinth. They were tent makers. This is my, me, that's not what um, Nick says. He says, they gave Paul a foothold in the city. They gave him somewhere to live and somewhere to worship. They also gave him a job. So the church in Corinth, we are talking very, very small a large grow group that are meeting together in a workshop. In just, and this was 97%, it says in here, 97% of dwellings in Corinth was a workshop or a shop with then maybe some accommodation above it. So when they met together, they shut the shop and they opened it as a church. Now, from what we understand, in Corinth, they had issues in how they were gathering. They had almost like it was a prayer competition. It was a, a pray-off. And so some people were trying to, were kind of more spiritual, had more spiritual gifts than others. And so there's division among them. There's all sorts of issues. Some people are praying loudly in tongues just to prove that they have a heavenly language. 
in the midst of that, some uh, women who had become Christians um, were, uh, they were embarrassing their husbands. Some wives were shaming their husbands, causing all sorts of awkwardness. Because even though they were uneducated, as in many of them were illiterate, that they were in a place where instead of listening quietly, they were actually trying to dominate the meeting. And it was causing all sorts of issues. In fact, in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, and this won't come up on the screen, uh, in chapter 11 at the beginning, um, he says this in verse uh, 17. But in the following instructions, I cannot praise you, for it sounds as if more harm than good is done when you meet together. Other translations say, when you get together, I've got nothing to praise about the way you get together when you praise. It's a mess. He then goes on to challenge them. Some people are taking communion before others because they're hungry. And then when some people come in late or whatever, it isn't there for them. There's division. There's issues between them. There are barriers between them. And Paul says in chapter 14, look, enough is enough. We need to see your gatherings rediscover their purpose. The title for my talk today is this. We are here for him and I am here for us. Let's say it together. We are here for him and I am here for us. I am not here for me. I'm here for us. So when we come to uh, read uh, from 1 Corinthians chapter 14, despite what it says on the screen, it's actually in the NIV version. Uh, that's just to keep me on my toes. And so we're going to read from 1 Corinthians chapter 14. And I want to highlight from this is that whilst it says lots of things about prophecy, which is speaking in a common language, the heart and mind of God into a situation, and uh, the speaking of tongues, the speaking of a heavenly language, which is enabled by the Holy Spirit as well. Uh, that occasionally it can be a tongue which is interpreted. There's loads of stuff we could teach on that. And in fact, in a few weeks, we're going to be talking more about the gift of the Holy Spirit and how he operates in our lives. I want to, we're going to read the whole chapter. And I want to demonstrate that Paul's biggest concern is not about who speaks in tongues or how they do it, whatever. His concern is for the building up of the church, that whilst we're here for him, I'm also here for us. So we're going to read from verse 1 of chapter 14. Follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people but to God. Indeed, no one understands them. They utter mysteries by the Spirit. But the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. Anyone who speaks in the tongue edifies themselves, but the one who prophesies, let's read it together, edifies the church. I'd like every one of you to speak in tongues, but I'd rather have you prophesy the one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets, let's read it together, so that the church may be edified. Now, brothers and sisters, if I come to you and speak in tongues, what good will I be to you unless I bring you some revelation or knowledge or prophecy or word of instruction? Even in the case of lifeless, lifeless things that make sounds, such as the pipe or harp, how will anyone know what tune is being played unless there is a distinction in the notes. Again, if the trumpet does not sound a clear call, 
Who will get ready for battle? So it is with you. Unless you speak intelligible words with your tongue, how will anyone know what you are saying? You will just be speaking in the air. Undoubtedly, there are all sorts of languages in the world, yet none of them is without meaning. If then I do not grasp the meaning of what someone is saying, I am a foreigner to the speaker, and the speaker is a foreigner to me. So it is with you. Since you are eager for gifts of the Spirit, let's read it together, try to excel in those that build up the church. For this reason, the one who speaks in a tongue should pray that they may interpret what they say. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my my mind is unfruitful. So what should I do? I will pray with my spirit, but I will also pray with my understanding. I will sing with my spirit, but I'll also sing with my understanding. Otherwise, when you are praising God in the spirit, how can someone else who is now put in the position of an inquirer say amen to your thanksgiving? Since they don't know what you're saying. So let me just pause there. The power of the amen is that other people hear and one prayer becomes multiplied to 150 and everyone else online. And we all say amen. Amen. See, there's awesome, awesome power and it's God-given. Amen is one of the words that's the same in any language on the planet. Amen to it. Since they do not know what they're saying, Verse 17, you are giving thanks well enough, but no one else is edified. Verse 18, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. But in the church, I would rather speak five intelligible words to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. Brothers and sisters, stop thinking like children. In regard to evil, be infants, but in your thinking, be adults. In the law it is written, with other tongues and through the lips of foreigners, I will speak to this people, but even then they will not listen to me, says the Lord. Tongues then are a sign not for believers, but for unbelievers. Prophecy, however, is not for unbelievers, but for believers. We could unpack that if we had more time. Anyway, verse 23. So if the whole church comes together and everyone speaks in tongues and inquirers or unbelievers come in, will they not say that you're out of your mind? But if an unbeliever or an inquirer comes in while everyone is prophesying, they're convicted of sin and are brought under judgment by all, as the secrets of their hearts are laid bare, so they'll fall down and worship God, exclaiming, God is really among you. Verse 26, what then shall we say, brothers and sisters? When you come together, each of you has a hymn or a word of instruction, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Let me pause there. Remember in chapter 11, he says, as for your gatherings, I have nothing to praise you about. Many scholars say this is not an instruction of how it should be in every church gathering. It's a corrective because it's all gone a bit chaotic. Because everyone's trying to get, everyone's trying to kind of grab the mic. Many say that. Anyway, everything must be done. Let's read together. Everything must be done so that the church may be built up. If anyone speaks in a tongue, two or three, at most three should speak, one at a time, and someone must interpret. If there's no interpreter, the speaker should keep quiet in the church and speak to himself and to God. Two or three prophets should speak and the others should weigh carefully what is said. And if a revelation comes to someone who's sitting down, the first speaker should stop. For you can all prophesy in turn so that everyone may be instructed and encouraged. Let's read that together. For you can all prophesy in turn, so let's say it, so that everyone may be instructed and encouraged. 
The spirits of prophets are subject to the control of prophets, for God is not a God of disorder, but of peace, as in all the congregations of the Lord's people. Then he says this, women are actually, in the Greek, it's more like wives, should remain silent in the churches. They're not allowed to speak, but must be in submission, as the law says. If they want to inquire about something, they should ask their own husbands at home, for it's disgraceful for a woman to speak in the church. He's talking about that issue. They're asking all questions, and the husband's like, look, we can talk about this at home, but don't do this when we're gathered together. It's not helping. Verse 36, or did the word of God originate with you, or are you the only people it's reached? If anyone thinks they're a prophet or otherwise gifted by the Spirit, let them acknowledge that what I'm writing to you is the Lord's command. But if anyone ignores this, they'll, they themselves will be ignored. <laughs> well, that's pretty good, isn't it? Listen, if you're not listening to this uh, sermon, then guess what? No one's going to listen to you. That's kind of what he's saying. <laughs> oh, I love Paul. <laughs> he's great. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, be eager to prophesy and do not forbid speaking in tongues, but everything should be done in a fitting and orderly way. This is the word of the Lord. And they, and they, they get this and... They're looking around the room, probably, when this is first read and saying, we need to get some things in order, guys. Because the reason is, when we gather, we, we, we come because I want to get something from this, rather than I want to give something to someone. See, we are here for him, for his glory. I am here for us. Yeah, well, I didn't really get much out of that worship. My answer is, well, that doesn't matter because it wasn't for you. Are we worshipping you? Let me say it again. People, oh, I didn't really get much out of that. Guess what? You're meant to be bringing something because it wasn't for you. We weren't singing to Jordan. I know sometimes he stands, stands there, but it's Jesus, not Jordan. It's for him. Not for him. Oh, I'm leaving the church. I didn't get much out of the worship. Well, that's fine. Go and find a church where they'll worship you. <laughs> really? Go ahead. Well, I didn't really get much out of that. I didn't really get much out of this. Do you know, honestly, if, if that's what this was, then that's how weak the church has become in our society. If it's about you getting something out. Like I said, we're still not singing Shine, Jesus, Shine. And I'm still here. <laughs> That's amazing, isn't it? You see, they're, they're parading spiritual gifts, but they're forgetting the people in the room. They're speaking loudly in tongues and showing how spiritual they are. But an unbeliever has walked in and they're like, what is wrong with this group of people? It's people that are like super spiritual, then they're just everyone else. And people's voice is not heard. And there's division. And the less literate people are made to feel uneducated by those that are educated and can actually read. Because you understand, the early church, not everyone can read. Oh, let me just let me get the scroll out. I can read Paul's letter. <laughs> What's wrong with you? All sorts of division. There's not order. And the order that the Lord is seeking is that everyone comes to give and to bring something. And says, when we gather, I am here for you. 
And there are so many barriers between us. There are, there are cultural barriers in this room like you wouldn't believe. There are socioeconomic barriers. There are, there are all sorts of barriers that could be between us. But isn't it amazing when we gather together, everyone in this room is equal before God. Yeah. Brother and sister in the family. We are joined together. And I, I'm, I'm sorry to say this and... Uh, and I know it might have been a difficult week for you, but I'm going to pick on you, Terence. I just want to say, look, I, I don't know whether this encourages you or not, but you and I are brothers, and we have to spend eternity together. You're stuck with me. <laughs> I feel like that should come with an apology. But the fact is, that's what God has done. That's what Jesus did on the cross. So he brought us together. Thousands of miles, born in different countries, brought together, so that no one feels like a foreigner. This is the heart of God, to bring people together. So how ridiculous it would be that when we gather together, I just come thinking about me. I'm on my way to the service. Oh, I hope they do my favourite song. Oh, I hope so-and-so speaking. I hope I, I hope I can avoid that. In fact, I hope I can go there and not have to do anything. And in fact... I hope they don't do an, an appeal for finances because actually money's a bit tight for me and, and I'm trying to think, do you know what? I hope they don't ask for volunteers. I am not helping with the kids and youth ever. <laughs> Whatever you do, don't ask me to help because I'm tired. I'm here for us. And we are growing into a church where increasingly we understand what is on the heart of God is to break every barrier between us. And, you know, language can be an amazing barrier. Let me just go over here. I think you carry on, okay? I, I think what is happening here is so profound. It's that barrier or um, inhibition of hearing need not be a reason why anyone would ever feel excluded in this church family. Can I hear an amen? Yes, yeah, so, so this is awesome because this requires a coming together. And you could say, Tracy is awesome. Can you say that? <laughs> so, so what? Yeah, go on, let's try. I appreciate it. You <laughs> carry on. The, the hours and hours it takes, the, the years it takes to be able to take many words and put them into symbol in this way physically is profound and yet it breaks a barrier down and it creates a level playing field it creates community so that we can be together in Christ and any of you that have had to learn English as a second language and you've come to a, a place like the UK where the English is the dominant language you've had to go through all sorts of pain to learn the language and and, and and you, the, the effort is there because you don't want barriers between. Paul's simply talking about that in the church. Let there not be any barriers between you. And when you gather, don't remove the barriers so that everyone can speak. He's also got this vision, hasn't he, of the Holy Spirit speaking powerfully through each other to each other for the building up of the church, the ecclesia, the gathered people. The building up of the church, you understand for three centuries, no buildings. The building up of the people, the edifying of the people means 
that you, even though you chose to sit at the back, I'm not pointing you out, but I know it's sometimes a bit safer at the back. God's just as interested in building you up, even though you sit at the back, as he is to anyone else. You understand? We, we can't hide in the church. The vision is for a church where everyone is edified and encouraged and built up and where everyone learns. Even those who are joining us online via a screen, you are as part of it as anyone else. Even those in New Zealand, hello, I hope the weather's nice. Together though, and we had one of our dear sisters here in the service today for the first time I think in over two years who up until that time was not able for a million different reasons to come into this room and to worship not via a screen. I just said, I feel like I've come home. Welcome home. Where everyone is welcome and invited to come in. So just a couple of thoughts. And then we're going to be kind of church together in a way. I just want to give you a little bit of a warning. Is that I'm more interested in your growth than your comfort. Is that all right? I'm more interested in breaking down barriers than acknowledging them just because it's more comfortable. So we're going to be blessed by a slightly breaking of some comfort zones in a few minutes. Is that okay? Can I hear an amen? Some people said, no, no, I'm going. I need the loo. (laughs) So um, this is what it says in John chapter 13. Think about this. This is Jesus. On the night he's betrayed, there's a lot going on in his mind. If anyone needed his friends to be there for him, it was Jesus on the night of his betrayal. John tells it like this, and he washes their feet. He says, after washing their feet, he put on his robe again and sat down and asked, do you understand what I was doing? You call me teacher and Lord, and you're right, because that is what I am. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I've given you an example to follow. Do as I've done to you. I tell you the truth, slaves are not greater than their master, nor is the messenger more important than the one who sends the message. Now that you know these things, God will bless you for doing them. They're all sitting down trying to get the best place around the table for the Passover meal. No one's washed any feet. Jesus says, through his actions, we're here for him, but I'm here for us. Even Judas comes, the one who will betray him, and there is Jesus, no cloth around his waist, washing the muck of the streets of Jerusalem off their feet. He says, I'm here for us. And we're here for him. Now, when I mentioned about being uncomfortable and then I tell something from the Washington disciples' feet, I know some of you thought, oh no. Where are the buckets? I don't want to touch someone else's feet. So we're not going to do that. See, now it's easy. But what we are going to do is we're going to take communion a little bit differently to normal. And uh, we're going to ask the Holy Spirit to come and fill us afresh and to give us a word of encouragement for someone else in the room. And uh, so what we are going to do, I wonder if the band could come up. We're going to pray and we're going to invite the Holy Spirit to come. Now, let me just underline a couple of things from this passage just while the band kind of get ready for this. 
is when we're here for us, it's to build up the church, it's so that no one feels like a foreigner, it's so that the gospel makes sense to those who don't fully understand it yet, it's for us to pull wisdom and not foolishness, it's so that no one is centre of attention other than Jesus. Can I hear an amen? amen? Don't ever let anyone, a church leader, a pastor, an evangelist, a musician, a worship leader, don't let anyone ever come anywhere close in your life to the place of Jesus, because he is number one. Just make that really clear. So when we come together, we make sure no one is the centre of attention but Jesus. So the order brings dignity so the Holy Spirit is free to speak and to move so that everyone learns and is encouraged. God brought you here today for a reason. Even if you're not a follower of Jesus, I want to say he brought you here for a reason. You see, isolation is hellish. The devil brings division and he loves to bring division and he loves to isolate. And if he could, he'd have each one of us in our own hole of despair, cut off from other people, just in the echo chamber of our own thoughts. And then we go on social media, and do you know that's an echo chamber of your own thoughts? You know the feed that you get is determined by what you watch. You just get the same thoughts over and over again from different places. That's how it works. That's how they keep you watching. So in the echo chamber of your own thoughts and own way of seeing the world, and the enemy would love to cut you off and get you in your own space and then drag you down. And Jesus is saying, but I died to create an us. I came that there might be an us to bring together diversity. As we heard a couple of weeks ago from Damalola McKindy, to come together. And when we come in the power of the Holy Spirit, he joins us together into one body. What a beautiful thing. So we're here for him, but I'm here for us. And when we are us, we are beautiful and diverse. And God's voice comes in the most surprising places, the most unusual ways. And the number of times I've sat where you guys are sat now, and I've listened to a message and you know, it's like an arrow came from God and just hit me between the eyes. It's like, it's like I heard a word from the Lord and it shook me to my bones. Anyone had that experience? Uh, I've had people uh, just over the years, some people said, do you remember that time when you spoke that and you said this? I was like, I have no idea what you're talking about. They said, well, on that day, my life changed something. Sometimes there are moments like that. I've had those. But you know what? I think I've learned just as much. I've heard the voice of God just as much in a simple conversation where someone comes up to me and says, Tim, can I just have a minute? I've been praying for you and the Holy Spirit just seems to say, he wants to say this to you. Do you know, those moments are like an explosion in your heart. And we can have some of those right now by the grace of God. And I want to say, if you're watching online, listen, we're making space for this for you as well. What's going to happen in a moment? We're going to sing a song together just to focus our hearts and minds on the Lord. And then uh, Steph, who's been hosting us over here, she's going to run down and join you online. And there's going to be a Zoom call for you. So the opportunity for you to jump into a Zoom call and take communion together. So if you're in your dressing gown, um, 
then just maybe, yeah. So whatever, just get ready because we're going to invite you into a Zoom call so that we can share this together if you're watching this live. If you're watching this late, I'm sorry, this is, you have to show up, you know, you have to be in the room when it happens, all right, for that. But we want to encourage you to, to share together. But first let's pray, then we're going to sing and then I'll give you some instructions. On the night Jesus was betrayed, the same night he washed the disciples' feet, Jesus took the bread and he broke it and he gave thanks. He said, this is my body which is broken for you. And Lord, today we want to say thank you. Gathered as we are from all corners of the globe, we've gathered in this place and we say, Lord, thank you. Thank you for the cross. Thank you that you were broken, that we could be made whole. Thank you, Lord. Just hold on to your... Um, give me, we'll do that. We'll take it later together. I'm just praying. So don't take yet. Sorry if that was confusing to anyone. Hold on to your little package. I'm simply praying and then we're going to share together. Lord, we thank you for your blood that was shed for us. We give you thanks. And we say, Lord, we receive from you healing and life by the power of your blood. Lord, be among us. Move among us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, hold on to your communion cups. We're going to sing together. And just to be clear, what we're going to do is that once we've sung this song uh, once through, we've kind of pluralized the chorus change the eyes to the we once we've done this but I'm going to invite you um, to take your communion cup and to go and find someone you didn't come to church with okay just find someone who looks friendly you all look friendly someone you didn't come to church with and just to sit with them maybe you want to say I sorry I've forgotten your name tell me your name and once you've done that, then just get a chance to, in your own time, in your own way, pray for each other, encourage each other. You could do this in the Zoom call online. Encourage each other. Give a word of encouragement. Maybe speak life into their being, into their soul. And the Lord is going to move among us.